The metaverse is high on the commercial radar. An evolution of the internet, it will fundamentally change our relationship to the online world, from browsing and searching to actively participating in shared digital immersive experiences. Already enjoying inroads in gaming and entertainment, companies and brands across the board, from luxury to financial services, are trying to find their place in the metaverse and making sure they're not left behind in the scramble for its digital real estate. But as the earlier chapters of the internet have shown, powerful technological breakthroughs bring as many risks as opportunities. How can we design the metaverse right from day one to ensure it's a place that offers valuable and rewarding experiences that are safe, secure, and sustainable? How should companies position themselves for success in terms of issues like privacy, security, and environmental sustainability? I'm Adam Green, a science and technology writer. In the past, I've covered technology trends for media, including the Financial Times and Economist Impact. This is Sustainability, Powered by Technology, a podcast series from Accenture. And for this episode, to discuss the key questions facing the metaverse, I'm delighted to be joined by two Accenture experts helping clients build their metaverse strategies. Mark Carell-Billiard is the global lead of technology innovation and Accenture Labs, and Denise Jung is the lead for Responsible Metaverse at Accenture. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Denise, you're focusing your work on the key principles of a responsible metaverse. What are some of the key issues here? Gosh, Adam, there's so many. When you look back at everything that we've learned from social media and Web2, there is really a darker side to the internet as well. What we're thinking about in the metaverse is what do we do to address those challenges up front? How can we design for trust? How can we design for human-centric experiences and really build privacy, security, safety into the underlying technology? And so that's what we're doing. And we're really focused on bringing together key stakeholders to drive that, right? So thinking about um, the developers, the builders, the users from all across different sectors. Mark, what do you consider to be the most prominent issues around this responsible metaverse issue? When you think about the metaverse, I mean, um, we we probably need to think about um, uh, the sustainability impact of the metaverse. And we need to make sure any technology, as, as mentioned by Denis, I mean, we build it sustainable. So that means that we need to have a way of measuring and, and reducing the environmental impacts of this technology by adopting green software practices. It might surprise some to think about sustainability as an issue for the, for the metaverse, given that this is a digital realm. But there does seem to be a strong environmental and emissions dynamic, mainly related to energy usage. Could you talk through the connection? What, what exactly is the sustainability issue with the metaverse as we currently see it? Yeah, cloud, uh, AI, extended reality, blockchain, and many other type of digital services that power the metaverse. I mean, it will take a, a combination of, of green software approaches uh, to ensure that the metaverse does not cause a surge in uh, greenhouse gas emissions. We need to think about green AI, for example, or green cloud, or green data, or green XR, and green blockchain practices, I mean, to make the metaverse much more responsible and much more sustainable. At Accenture, we've developed a whole green software framework, and we already trained over 100,000 of our people in sustainable software engineering practices. Um, at the same time, we are seeing the intensification of digital technology in business. I mean, blockchain, cryptocurrency, this is one area where we're seeing that. Well, we, we heard a lot about the energy consumption of Bitcoin and some of the debates that are going on around the structure of blockchain and, and decentralization in terms of how 
all of this works. Could you talk through what's the connection between blockchain cryptocurrencies, the metaverse, and the way that these algorithms work and how the energy consumption is used across the different methodologies? I, I'm not going to try to be too technical because that means like I don't want to lose our uh, our audience here, but um, innovation to make the technology less energy angry, in fact, are really uh, already emerging. And you are giving the example of uh, distributed ledger technology, I mean, blockchains. Uh, we're rethinking about algorithms on how to make them uh, much more sustainable, thinking about uh, decisions, for example, a number of nodes in network in the blockchain, size of the transaction data, many other things like that. So let me give you an example. If you think about the Ethereum Foundation, the creators of the Ether uh, cryptocurrency, which is the second largest, by the way, cryptocurrency uh, by market capitalization, they're moving to what we call a proof of stake algorithm instead of a, a proof of work uh, blockchain algorithm. And so let me explain what it means. But the reason why they want to do that, because the foundation expect that this will change big time and it will cut the energy consumption by 99.95%. So we're talking about like a big, big, big change, okay? And there's really a reason for that because both algorithms like proof of work versus proof of stake are completely different in the way they validate cryptocurrency on a blockchain network. And the main difference between those two algorithms, you know, is how they choose and qualify users to add transactions. So if I, if I can make it like a little bit simple, is that if you think about the proof of work, okay, this consensus algorithm uses complex problems for any miners to solve using a high-powered computers. And so the, the problem are solved using trial and errors. And the first miner to complete the problem or cryptographic equation, if you want, is authorized to add a new block in the blockchain, okay? So that means that every miner is going to be involved in this, and there's going to be a lot of computing work that's going to be done all over the world. Now, the proof of stake is completely different. The proof of stake is going to be different. In this case, that miners need, first of all, to put up stake with coins on their own if they want, basically, to be proofing uh, that, basically, uh, the block is going to be correct. And they also need to show how long they have been validating transactions and blocks in the past. So the choice is much more reduced, and, and, and basically, I mean, the energy consumption is going to be way less. And so that's the reason why we see companies like Ethereum are moving from uh, proof of work to proof of stake. I think I finally understand proof of stake after a lot of reading. So thank you for that. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, uh, Denise, earlier you mentioned the darker side of the internet that we've learned about over the last decades. Um, so I wanted to talk, we've focused on the energy and environmental sustainability piece to the metaverse, but what are some of the broader um, governance and ethical issues around the metaverse and, and how should we think about the responsible metaverse? What does that really mean and, and what are some of the ways that we should think about those risks? So what we did recently was we actually conducted a global survey of 17 countries and pulled nearly 9,000 people to understand sort of what are their biggest concerns in the metaverse? Um, do they think it's going to be better or worse than social media? And it's not too surprising. We found that, you know, roughly 55% of the people, so more than a majority of folks who responded across all regions thought that the metaverse would be essentially as bad as social media in terms of the issues around trust, you know, around uh, privacy, security. And we also found that their top three concerns were very much aligned with that. So 
top top three concerns being digital, you know, trust and safety issues. Is this online experience, this immersive experience safe for myself, for my children, for my family? Is it secure? Is my personal data going to be protected in the metaverse? The user data privacy issues. Um, how can I make sure that the data that's collected as a user in the metaverse is adequately protected, it is not shared, um, and that I have some control over that in terms of its uses. And so what we're really focused on is building responsibility into the metaverse by design. Uh, Mark talked about some of the amazing potential uses of the metaverse. We think, you know, in order to unlock the true value of this, we need to be building across eight dimensions. So what we, you know, characterize as trust dimensions. So these are things that really matter to the product policy, to the technical architecture, to how we um, uh, communicate to the user in terms of their uh, controls and, and rights. So privacy, security, resilience, intellectual property protections, which we characterize as trust dimensions. On the human side, this is really about building user experiences that put the wellness of people uh, front and center. So thinking about trust and safety, about the well-being, both physical and mental well-being, sustainability issues, of course, as Mark mentioned. And then very importantly, inclusion, diversity, and accessibility. We need to be designing experiences that enable people to fully express themselves and be their true selves. And so at Accenture, we thought, you know, we've clearly, we've identified a framework. We've identified some of these challenges. The first thing we need to do is practice what we preach. And so we organized a, a number of workshops with folks across our company, users, the developers, folks from legal, folks from our CIO organization, folks who uh, run our, our responsible innovation work, and developed a handbook for responsible use of the, of the metaverse for enterprise. And we outlined specific actions that we need to take as a company uh, to ensure that we're building and using it responsibly. We also realized in this exercise that the policy and legal landscape for the metaverse is super, super, super complex because it's the combination of many, many different technologies coming together. And because the metaverse eliminates a lot of boundaries that we see in traditional computing, right? So boundaries from, uh, from a jurisdictional standpoint, national boundaries, right? Boundaries even between uh, organizations, companies, and um, in order to really understand how the policy landscape looks for the metaverse, we uh, developed something that we called a responsible metaverse decoder. It's really a tool to help understand what are the existing legal requirements? What are the existing standards that apply in this space? And that every company, including our own, needs to develop the metaverse and use it with those standards in mind, right? Built from the start. And then what are the emerging challenges, right? And areas where there's kind of a gray area where the, where the existing policies and regulations don't have a clear answer. We also see a tremendous amount of interest, of course, in digital assets and Web3 technologies. And it's still sort of up in the air whether or not, you know, the metaverse will be uh, fully based on Web3 or if it will be more centralized. I think it'll be both. 
But in order to navigate this responsibly, we developed a risk management framework for how we think about crypto and Web3 related projects. And then finally, we really did some innovation around trust and safety. So thinking about what does content moderation look like in the metaverse? How do you enable people to have free and open interactions, but also create a safe space? Um, one in which, you know, is, is not incentivizing people to engage in harmful behavior or share objectionable content, right? One that has the incentives in place to allow for much more authentic interactions. And so we've been really innovating across all these spaces. We've been doing it ourselves, doing it through partnerships as well, like the uh, XR Association, XRSI, the Fair Play Alliance, just to name a few, where a lot of different companies are coalescing to really take a close look at these challenges and figure out what the solution is. And is your impression among companies and clients that you work with companies are in this situation where they all feel a certain amount of pressure to have a metaverse strategy and to have a presence in the metaverse and to not be late. But at the same time, we've seen so many challenges and problems for businesses in social in the social media realm as well. What's the mood among companies around the metaverse? Are they preferring not to move because they want to see how things are going to shake out and understand the risks better and then, you know, get it right, even if they're not, not the first or not the fastest? Um, or do you think there's a sense of, uh, of of FOMO and, and, and businesses just piling into the metaverse and hoping that they'll figure all of this out on the fly? I think that companies are experimenting and they're testing and learning. That's one of the things that we're hearing first and foremost from a lot of different companies across sectors. It also very much depends on the use case, right? Is it an enterprise use case? Is it a cons- customer facing use case? Um, is it retail? Is it industrial, right? The risk profiles are very different across Uh, different industries and use cases. I think what most excites a lot of brands to come to the metaverse is the potential to really understand and improve engagement with younger users, right? Millennials and younger are really growing up with gaming, with much more interactive experiences. And in order to sort of build that brand loyalty, we're seeing Folks, you know, companies, especially in the retail and consumer goods space, begin to experiment, right, and figure out how they can use the metaverse to get much closer to their customers, to understand um, their preferences, understand what they value, and deliver um, experiences that um, are much more catered to the user and their individual preferences. So when you think about what the metaverse will enable. So today online, you know, we collect a lot of information from login data to payment data to browsing data with the metaverse tomorrow, right? And and it's really already here, but in, in, in many ways, the metaverse is going to enable the collection of even more biometric information, more transaction data. So gait, gaze, heart rate, even to some degree, brain activity that reveals emotions, right? A state of mind, um, better understands a person's digital identity. And this is going to raise some ethical questions. Um, It's going to begin to sort of blur the lines a bit between marketing and entertainment. And what we know is that, especially the companies that we work with, Um, They want to ensure that what they do is accountable, it's ethical, it's responsible from the start. And so really understanding what are those challenges, 
What are some guardrails to put in place? What are ways in which we can really lean forward to ensure that we are you know, building and using the metaverse responsibly? And that's what we're helping the clients do. A question for both of you on this. What's the role of, you talked about guardrails, Denise, what's the role of industry codes, regulations, standards, um, coalitions versus companies developing their own philosophy and their own strategy in terms of the, the, the metaverse, whether that be on sustainability or, or these broader aspects of governance? Because we, we need companies to, to do their own things, but, but, but we can't rely on voluntary efforts by companies because you know, we, we may see a race to the bottom in that respect. So where, where do we see the role of government, regulation, industry codes of conduct, um, and other kinds of um, uh, collaborations coming in to set, to set the bar? Mark, maybe we can start with you on the sustainability side. Um, what's your thoughts on, on the role of, of these, these guardrails? Well, I think they're very important, first of all. I think you mentioned that. I mean, it's like they're going to be fundamental for the development of, of, of the metaverse technology. And we've seen for many other technologies, by the way. It's like if you look at uh, autonomous uh, driving cars, I mean, I think we could uh, we could very much compare uh, what we've seen there to eventually what may happen in the metaverse. I think we'll see it like, the, it's, it's always like, uh, um, you know, it's like a development on two fronts. I mean, one front on the private side, basically, of companies like moving moving very quickly and uh, the regulators and the government and the organization trying to catch up and eventually i mean they could converge into standards and an agreement uh but but it takes time and um and um and it takes a willingness also for for this convergence but this is something that we're going to see um in terms of um you know the um um Denise was talking about like uh, about like software development and what we see uh from companies um, I think many, many more companies uh, will start adopting um, sustainability principles through the software development lifecycle um, that um, uh, they're engaging into. And that's only related to the metaverse. I think for absolutely any type of uh, new solutions that we're going to be building through uh, software, um, could be related to cloud migration, um, the next generation of artificial intelligence engine, where we also need to adopt uh, a responsible AI approach. Uh, that means that we need to uh, define like sustainable uh, objective at the beginning of the software life cycle. That means that we need to have a matrix that measure the sustainability quotient of the technology or the software. We need to align engineers and developers uh, with the goal and KPIs of sustainable technology of, source, of software. We need to empower the developers with new tools and resources, testing and sustainability and so forth. I think this is something that we're going to see more and more. And obviously, regulators are going to be jumping on this, I mean, to understand exactly how they can leverage this kind of new technology and trends and, and define jointly with, uh, um, with private organizations like the standards of tomorrow uh, for those uh, responsible technology. Thanks, Mark. Denise, what are your thoughts on regulation, industry codes of conduct, and where do these guardrails and, and best practices and standards are going to come from in some of those risk areas that you'd alluded to earlier? Sometimes I hear people say that the metaverse is a wild, wild west, and there's no governance, there's no regulation. That's actually a false statement. So across the board, we have a lot of privacy regulations, of cybersecurity regulations, GDPR, for example, right? They apply to the metaverse. And so fundamentally, that will be a baseline. 
And the question is, you know, do we need something that goes uh, above above that? Or are there specific types of interactions or specific types of data that those existing laws don't account for? And it's identifying that delta and figuring out how do we fill the gap? So I think for companies, um, you know, they'll need to adopt, they'll need to build the metaverse to the, the existing, you know, sort of requirements that are dictated by laws across different regions from the EU, you know, privacy to US to, you know, in, in Asia, there are quite a number of different regimes out there that all govern user data privacy. I'm just focusing on privacy because I think that one is really front of mind for a lot of people in the metaverse. And, you know, in terms of what industry groups ought to be focusing on, it's getting, you know, the the device makers, the platform designers, the experience designers all together, working together to understand, you know, what additionally can we do to address these concerns and how do we build it in from the start? So I, I would say there is already a role for regulation. It's there. We need, we need to focus on identifying some, the emerging challenges, the emerging risks. And while we do that, industry needs to work together to lean forward, to put responsible practice and practices in place from the start. So I, I think it's too early to propose regulation now. We still need to study it. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, five, 10 years from now, and legislatures obviously do move very slowly. Government agencies are, are slower to react than industry. But in some, you know, at some date in the future, we're, we're going to likely see additional regulation. We already see a lot of regulatory activity taking place around cryptocurrency. Um, I think that has reached a threshold where now regulators are thinking, okay, what do we got to do to make sure that there's adequate consumer protection, that the market is stable? And so we see a lot of energy there. But for other, you know, metaverse uses, um, there's still, there's still uh, an understanding that we need to develop. Presumably, there's also a skills question because, you know, in the early era of social media, we, we suddenly saw all these new job titles that had never existed before, social media managers and so on at companies. Are we now in a period in the metaverse where we're going to see the same thing? We're going to see companies needing to hire and we're going to need a talent pool to, for, for, for people who really understand this technology and can inform some of these decisions. Denise, what's your thoughts on that? Is this is this an area where companies are going to have a skills shortfall in the short term as the labor market kind of catches up with the technology? I think talent is definitely a key challenge, especially for the metaverse. Um, we need, you know, 3D artists. We need folks that have experience working with gaming engines that have uh, both curiosity and understanding of how to work with uh, a, a totally new tech stack in some ways. So, we're aggressively sourcing that talent today. There is a shortage of it, just as there is a shortage of uh, technology talent in, in across many industries. Um, what we think of at Accenture is that we're just we're not only a consumer of talent, but we're also a creator of talent. So we're taking folks with adjacent skills and training them up for for the metaverse to develop the creative skills, the technical skills, the business skills to really succeed in this area. Mark, on the sustainability and the green software side, I know Accenture's done a lot of work here in sort of building out that capacity and training. And uh, and I wondered your thoughts on the software engineering community and and how ready and fit for purpose the talent pool is for thinking about the environmental aspects that you mentioned earlier. 
I think that's a good point. And I wanted to add to what Denise um, uh, was mentioning is the fact that I think the metaverse as well, I mean, like the reason why we talk about metaverse continuum is just that this metaverse technology or this uh, state of the art or where is metaverse is going to be evolving for the next uh, for the next decade, you know. And so uh, we're yet to figure out exactly what talents we need to grow and what type of skills we'll need to create or like, uh, um, you know, it's like work on. Because I mean, it's like the jobs of tomorrow still need to be invented. You know, um, we've been looking at content moderation, for example, the internet. What's going to be content moderation in the metaverse? And there's a lot of discussion around that things related also to the new type of devices that uh, we're going to be leveraging in the context uh, in the context of the metaverse. There will be like specific people that are going to be testing those, those devices and it's going to be a lot of different type of, uh, again, uh, jobs. I mean, that's going to be created around these things. Now, re related to um, software development lifecycle, I think that the development of, of many applications in the metaverse, I mean, still rely on uh, many technology that we have developed uh, during the last decades. And we're talking about like 3D content generations, but there's going to be a, a new capabilities that we're going to be uh, looking at, uh, leveraging also like new type of devices like enhanced 3D scanners. And 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 obviously, I mean, that will that will uh, have an impact on, uh, on, the, on, on the product life cycles in terms of software. Uh, I was talking previously about some of, of the efforts that uh, private companies and Accenture are doing related to how we're testing software and how we're creating more sustainable software. I think yeah, this is uh, something that uh, is going to play a, a big role. Um, I think one thing that's going to be also important is to realize that um, also a full green potential of uh, of computing, I mean, it's going to be related to a new type of processing power that you're going to have to leverage. Uh, from uh, from edge computing to uh, very centralized like process power, uh, our labs have been working a lot on many type of those architecture. You know, it's like uh, replacing all their CPUs uh, with newer cheap architectures as so, so GPUs or or field programmable get arrays like FPGA and more. Also embracing like completely radically new type of uh, processing power like quantum computing or biocomputing or neuromorphic. Um, so I think uh, all this um, uh, needs to mature, obviously, and we are we're building up basically uh, uh, the the future skills that will power basically uh, uh, these kind of technologies, and they will embrace those technologies. Uh, but uh, but again, it's like many jobs need still need to be uh, to be created. Last things that maybe I, I would say is that um, Accenture is a founding member of the Green Software Foundation. Uh, we are on a mission to build a, a trusted ecosystem of people, standards, tools, and best practices for green software engineering. And the GSF um, is working towards um, establishing this, the software uh, carbon intensity. So we call that SCI specifications that defines, uh, you know, it's like uh, a methodology for calculating the rate of carbon emission for a software system. And so the whole purpose of this is to help users and developers make uh, informed choices about uh, which tool approaches, architecture, and services they want to use in the future. And it's a score rather than a, a, a total uh, lower numbers or a burden on higher numbers and reaching zero is impossible, obviously. But this is something that we're uh, very active and something that we want to uh, to embrace fully and, and continue pushing. And something that we're doing for our clients, but we're doing for ourselves as well. 
A final question. What advice do you both have for companies, both your current clients and future and potential partners in terms of with all of the topics and themes that we've discussed, how to think about crafting a successful metaverse strategy? What are some of the core principles um, that they should think about? Denise, can we start with you? Well, I think what's important is it is a new and emerging set of technologies. We're seeing a, a tremendous amount of interest here. But, you know, the key question for companies is what is their strategic objective? What are they trying to accomplish? And what are the technologies, the use cases, the requirements that we need to put in place to ensure that they're really reaping sustainable value and not just doing something one-off. So that is what we focus on. And, you know, being the responsible metaverse person, I'm also really focused on understanding what kind of risks, you know, operational risks, financial risks, legal risks, reputational as well, and having an answer to those key considerations as we advise, you know, companies to, to uh, leverage the metaverse. Mark, briefly, what are some principles that you, that you would uh, give to companies, current clients and partners around how to craft a successful metaverse strategy? Well, there's so many principles that we could be talking about, but I think Denise has uh, laid on uh, like very good principles already. I'd like to add maybe two, uh, two, um, that I think are important. One that I call um, applied metaverse. I mean, it's like, as, as Denise mentions, like uh, metaverse needs to be value driven and we need absolutely to identify what are going to be the, um, the, um, the future value that um, this technology is going to bring, like in terms of uh, employee benefit, customer benefits and so forth and, and, and companies benefit. So applied metaverse is going to be something uh, very important, just like not a gimmick. And the second one is that metaverse is all about experimentation. And so I think, um, you know, um, what we tell our clients is that it's never too early. I mean, to test that within your own company, we have a set of use cases that they can leverage without putting too much risk at stake, um, thinking about immersive training or extending basically their workplace of the future. Um, I think this is this is uh, definitely a technology to experiment and to test out with your own employees and get basically feedback from them to move forward. Well, thanks to you both for this fascinating and insightful discussion. And thank you as well to our listeners for, for joining us. If you have any feedback or questions about this podcast or the topics we've discussed, uh, please email us and all the details will be in the show notes. Thank you for listening. Join us next time.